The following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles, we'll be back in Galatians this evening, Galatians chapter 5. We've finished off chapter 4, and now we enter uh, the second to last chapter of the book. And uh, so we'll begin in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 this evening and make our way all the way through verse 6. But let me, uh, let me pray one more time as we enter now into the Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, uh, the moments that we have remaining. We ask now that uh, you would help us, we pray, Lord. Help us to have hearts and minds of understanding, and, and uh, Lord, that we would accept what you've said to us through your Word as truth, and then uh, because of that, our acceptance of it, that we would apply it, Lord. Uh, if we truly believe it, then we will live by it. So we pray that that would be true in our lives today, that we would maintain that heart of belief and persevere in our faith and our walk with you. Lord, we thank you uh, for each one of those here this evening, for those that aren't, for those who are listening online. We pray now that you would work in them and uh, they would find their hearts encouraged by what they hear from your word now, in your name, amen. Now, uh, if you remember last time, if you were with us in Galatians chapter 4, we covered the last, uh, oh, I guess uh, 10 verses or so, that uh, was Paul's illustration to the Galatians to help them understand what he has been teaching them all along in Galatian, in the book of Galatians, in his letter to them. And that is, uh, there is a contrast between the flesh and the spirit and the faith versus works and that, uh, and that, uh, justification is by grace through faith alone. And Paul's illustrated to them, again, these contrasts, as I said, between the works of the flesh, which in Paul's illustration here in the last few verses of chapter four was that Sarah's and Abraham's fleshly alternative to fulfill God's promise is an example or an illustration of the Judaizers' attempt to influence the Galatians to believe that they could, um, by the works of their flesh, obtain righteousness. And uh, that, of course, is not the case. And that's the case that Paul has been making here in the letter to the Galatians. It is truly those, only those who are born of faith that are, uh, that are uh, declared righteous. Paul also said that those who are like the son of Hagar, the bondwoman, Ishmael, are those who are trying to obtain righteousness by self-merit. Again, that's the point of Paul's illustration here in the last ten or so verses of Galatians chapter 4. And, of course, if the Galatians were to listen to that message of the Judaizers, uh, it would not bring them the freedom uh, that they perceived it would. Rather, it would just bring slavery, slavery to the law, and uh, they would be unable to fulfill its demands. Of course, we noted uh, a few weeks back that the results of Sarah and Abraham's fleshly attempt to fulfill God's promise uh, only brought contempt between Sarah and Hagar, brought persecution upon uh, Isaac from Ishmael, and eventually uh, it led to the casting out of Hagar and her son. And uh, we saw that in Genesis chapter 21. 
and read about that here in Galatians chapter 4, verses 23 to 25, as well as uh, through the end of the chapter. So then, Paul's point is the only way to obtain freedom is to follow God's directives. As Sarah and Abraham ought to have done from the very beginning, as soon after their mistake, uh, they realized that God's way is the only way. And so the Galatians should realize as well that God's directives of salvation by faith alone are the only way. The lesson to the Galatians and to us from Paul's illustration is that only those who are born of faith, like Isaac was born according to the promise, are those who are truly free, those who are true sons of God, those who are true heirs, heirs of God. And uh, we read about this in Galatians chapter 4. Um, verse 7, let me read that for you now. It says, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Or uh, chapter 4, verse 28, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. Or verse 31, So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, that is of Hagar, but of the free. Now, in verse 1, Paul, on the basis of this illustration, uh, is going to uh, teach and exhort the Galatians to hold fast to that freedom which they have obtained through believing by faith. And uh, hopefully that little review of Paul's illustration here will help shed light on Paul's purpose of his, and his exhortation in verse 1 here. And uh, let me read that verse to you now, verse 1. But let me actually read verses 1 through 6, and then we'll, we'll walk our way back through uh, these verses. Paul writes in verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. The purpose of Paul's exhortation here, looking back at verse 1, is to help them understand that they need to be holding fast to the freedom that is found in Christ. The freedom that is found in Christ. Christ is the Redeemer who has come for freedom's sake to set the believer, us, the Galatians, those who have believed free from the yoke of bondage. Paul's main point is that as a believer, you ought to hold fast to the freedom for which Christ has made you free so that you will not be in bondage again to the yoke, the yoke of bondage that was too heavy and impossible for the Jews to bear themselves under the Mosaic law. So why, why burden yourselves with that yoke which even the Jews could not uh, bear themselves? You see, the Galatians were on the brink of transversing from 
traversing from one yoke of bondage, that is lawlessness or man-made religion, to another yoke of bondage, the law of Moses. Paul is warning them and reminding them, listen, you are freed from one yoke of bondage, lawlessness, man-made religion, heathenism, the, the, the lifestyle of the Gentiles as the Jews saw them in. And now you want to, you want to uh, yoke yourself to another form of bondage, the Mosaic law? Why? Why would you want to do that? You see, Paul is exhorting them, uh, as we say, uh, to not go from the frying pan into the fire. You were, you were in bondage, and then you were free in Christ. And so why, why would you go anywhere else? Why would you put yourself back into bondage again, back from the frying pan into the fire? You were delivered from one form of bondage, and now you're entangling yourselves with the Mosaic law. Why? The latter adds nothing more to your righteousness than the former way of living in which you were in. So why do you want to do this? The point is this. Christ has made uh, the believer, whether Jew or Gentile, free from the yoke of bondage. And we should persevere in that freedom. Stand fast in the faith and the truth of the gospel. And don't be drawn away by the false doctrine which the Judaizers were presenting to them. Paul then is going to go into uh, multiple exhortations or warnings, uh, the dangers of, of, of embracing law-based righteousness. And we're going to see this here in verses 2 through 4. He's going to present the dangers of embracing law-based righteousness instead of living and holding fast to the freedom. Paul writes in verse 2, Indeed I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, if you choose to go down that route, Christ will profit you nothing. Paul's warning comes with a measure of authority. He says, Paul, I, who, is, who am an apostle of Christ, uh, I share with you this warning, this truth. I, Paul, is you know, saying, I have the duty to share with you the truth of the gospel and also to warn you of error. And so listen up, Galatians, lest you fall for this false doctrine. I warn you uh, that if you follow in this direction, there are dangers ahead in this kind of lifestyle and thinking of embracing law-based righteousness. You see, the primary error of the Judaizers was that they thought that they could merit their own righteousness righteousness in addition to what Christ has done by observing the law of Moses, primarily by through circumcision. You see, circumcision was the primary way for Jews to externally tout their spirituality and supposed favor with God. Look at me, I'm circumcised. Earning This earns me merit or favor with God. Paul is not saying that uh, circumcision in itself is a wrong thing to do. Paul, in other places, says, you know, uh, do not wish if you're circumcised to become uncircumcised. Live in the state that you are. Paul is not teaching against circumcision uh, or that it is inherently wrong. But rather, the issue here is that the Jews had corrupted God's purpose for this sign, for circumcision. 
so that now it was a mark of human spirituality and a form of touting their dedication to the law of Moses as a way or form of righteousness. That was never God's intent for the purpose of circumcision. Circumcision was just a sign, a promise of God's covenant and being a part of God's covenant people. So then, what is Paul's warning here? Well, he's per- this warning pertains to the issue, as I said, that the Jews saw circumcision as a way of uh, measuring their spirituality and meriting them righteousness. Therefore, when it comes to the Galatians, Paul is saying, listen, if you go ahead and you circumcise yourself, you too are indicating that you no longer trust in Christ alone, but are trusting in the law of Moses to obtain that righteousness. And if you do that, there is a danger. There are three major dangers or consequences that Paul now is going to mention uh, in the following verses for any of the Gentiles who wish to consider being circumcised for the reason we just said. And number one is that if you choose to be circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. We see this in verse 2. He says, Indeed, I say... Uh, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. The reality is is that if the Gentiles were to become circumcised for the reasons that the Judaizers wanted them to be circumcised, they would be annulling the purpose of Christ's work on the cross. I uh, was studying in a commentary, and John MacArthur is one of them, and the way he phrased it, I really didn't want to rephrase it at all, so I'll just quote to you what he said about this passage. He says, The atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, perfect and complete though it was, cannot benefit a person who trusts in anything else. Because that something else, whether circumcision or any other human act or effort, then stands between him and Christ. You cannot have both. You either have Christ or you are trusting in something else. As a believer, either you're trusting that Christ's sacrifice was enough or you're not trusting Christ at all. You are trusting yourself at that point and at that moment. To an unbeliever, there is no saving benefit in believing Christ if you're going to trust in something else, if you're going to divide your trust between Christ and some other kind of human act or human effort whether it be circumcision or just your own good works. We know those who believe that kind of philosophy and idea, that they can add to what Christ has done through uh, sacraments and through behavior of righteousness on their own. For the believer, there is no benefit in the saving work of Christ in your sanctification and perseverance of faith if you trust in your own human efforts. What does it add to you to believe in him if you're trusting in yourself to sanctify yourself? Paul asked the Galatians that very question earlier on in chapter 3. If you began in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? No, not at all. The sanctification and perseverance of our faith is because it is a benefit. It is a work of Christ because what he has done for us on the cross. Then look at verse 3 with me. He says, furthermore, 
And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. So, Galatians, if, if, if you choose to become circumcised, let me warn you with this warning, you have to keep the whole law then. In essence is what Paul is saying. If you decide to circumcise yourself for the purpose of righteousness, remember then you are obligated to the law. If you're going to obey that part of the law, then you're not excluded from having to obey the rest of the law. You have to keep it all. God's standard for righteousness is perfection. Therefore, if you stumble at any point, you are guilty of the entire law. James chapter 2, verse 10 and other verses speak of this truth. Paul then says, uh, moving on to yet another warning or danger of embracing uh, law-based righteousness in Verse 4, he says, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. The second consequence, uh, first, that Christ will profit you nothing, but also the second consequence of embracing this kind of thinking is that you are estranged from Christ. You are estranged from Christ. He says this in verse 4. Paul is clearing the water here in verse 4 that if you are trusting in your human efforts, you are not a part of Christ. You are not a part of Christ. You are estranged from Christ. You have severed yourself by your choice from Christ and the grace of God which was given to you. In Being circumcised, Paul is warning the Galatians, you are identifying that you are not a partaker in the grace which was given to you. You cannot mix law and grace together, as we already said. Think back maybe to uh, Galatians chapter 1. In verse 6, Paul wrote to them, From the very beginning, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Paul might add here, well, if that's the truth, then you really never were under that grace. You never were were believing in the first place. If you continue on in this kind of living and thinking. Paul also writes, uh, going back to Galatians chapter 5, at the end of verse 4, he says, uh, not only are you estranged from Christ by your attempt to be justified by the law, you have also, you have fallen from grace. You have separated, you have severed yourself from Christ, the one who is seeking to free you from the bondage of sin and death and from that yoke of bondage of uh, human effort. And you are, you are also fallen, you have fallen or are falling from grace. Let me ask you this question. Can an unbeliever fall from grace? Well, no, because <laughs> they never were following in that grace or, or, or of grace there. But they can live in legalism. They can attempt to merit God's uh, favor to obtain righteousness on their own. They can't fall from grace, but they can live in legalism. Can a, non, can a believer fall from grace? Well, you might say yes, but only for a while. They can become confused in their thinking uh, deceived by false doctrine and, and for a while attempt on their own to 
perhaps uh, obtain some favor. But if truly a believer, they will uh, be restored in their thinking uh, once they have been informed of their of their confusion and of their false beliefs. So, yes, we could say for a while or for a moment, a believer could fall from that grace as far as their understanding of the implications of what Christ has done. However, as I said, a true believer will persevere in their faith. They will continue on believing that what Christ has done is enough and will not or will no longer trust in themselves for righteousness. A true believer perseveres in their belief and in their understanding of the work of Christ, the atoning sacrifice of Christ. Well then, Paul has warned them here in Galatians chapter 3, three warnings, three consequences of anyone who is seeking to uh, to embrace a law-based righteousness. First, that Christ will profit them nothing. Secondly, that uh, they will be estranged from Christ. They have themselves severed them from Christ, we could say. And finally, that they have fallen from grace. Then in contrast, uh, looking at verses 5 and 6, Paul contrasts those who have embraced the law-based righteousness with those who are awaiting the perfected righteousness uh, that will come by faith, as well as good works that are motivated by love. And we see this in verses 5 and 6. Like He says here, listen, For we, through the Spirit, not through the law or because of the law, but for we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Paul says, for we who are believing in Christ and not in ourselves, but we who are born of the Spirit, we, true believers, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. We are not here attempting to obtain our righteousness we as believers understand that we have received the imputed righteousness of Christ. We are not meriting our own. We are not justifying ourselves by our works. But we, we believe that we have the imputed righteousness of Christ and that one day the hope of the saving work of Christ that is that we will be perfected in our righteousness. When we stand before God one day, in that moment, uh, Christ's righteousness uh, will perfect us once and for all. And uh, the implications of that is sin will be no more in our bodies uh, that will reign no longer. We will be glorified uh, as he is. And so Paul writes, for those who are believing in Christ through the Spirit, we await that righteousness that we will obtain. Meanwhile, we stand in, we stand in confidence in the saving work of Christ and the imputed work of Christ, knowing that there's nothing that we need to do to add to that righteousness. There is nothing we could do at all, even if we tried. Therefore, uh, instead of embracing a, a mentality of working for that righteousness, we wait eagerly, knowing that uh, that we are. We are redeemed by Christ. 
we are sanctified by Christ and we will be declared uh, re- declared perfectly righteous by Christ uh, when uh, we enter into that state, that eternal state. Then in verse 6, Paul writes, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Meaning it profits uh, the believer nothing at all, whether you are one way or the other. As a believer, neither matters when it comes to our righteousness. But what matters is faith working through love. You see, for uh, the believer, for those who are truly uh, one of Christ's, our faith is what leads us to do works of righteousness, not works for righteousness. The motivation for our works is love. Our faith in Christ Jesus, working through love is what motivates us to do works of righteousness, but again, not for righteousness. Turn with me a second for, with me for a second to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, as we have just been studying, it is the gift of God. Not of works, not by the law, not by circumcision, lest anyone should boast. Added a few in there. Then verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For sure, God has created us, those who are believers, to do things of righteousness, to do works of righteousness, to serve him faithfully. But we are motivated not to do them because we believe they are works for righteousness, but that God has created that we do them in order to please him and to glorify his name. And we do them out of a motivation for love, as Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 says. We'll also see in correlation to chapter uh, 5, verse 6 in Galatians, uh, Paul re- uh, or circles back to this idea of faith working through love. Uh, later on, uh, next time we study in chapter 5, uh, verses uh, 14. And uh, Paul is now transitioning. We've talked about uh, the, the fact uh, that uh, we are to walk uh, not by uh, the works of righteousness, but believe in faith. And Paul is now going to transition to the practicality of all of this, to the practicalness of, of, of living out this belief in, by walking in the Spirit. And we'll see this now, this kind of transition, uh, beginning in verse 7 uh, and 15 next time, but also then uh, even more clearly in verses 16 of chapter 5, all the way through the end of, of uh, the, the letter here in Galatians. But as we've studied this evening, and to remind us, uh, Paul's main idea, his main point for the Galatians here is after giving this illustration uh, to them in chapter 4, that there 
uh, that we as believers must hold fast to the freedom that we have in Christ and not uh, not embrace a law-based righteousness. Hold fast uh, to what we know is true. Stand fast in the faith and the truth of the gospel uh, that Christ has delivered us from the bondage of sin and that we should no longer embrace uh, that kind of mentality that we can merit our own righteousness on our own. Let's pray this evening as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that we can be in your word even for just a moment. Lord, uh, I, I feel now that as, we, as we've shared this time in your word that many of these things are uh, simplistic to the gospel, though very, very vital uh, in our understanding. And uh, perhaps we think we are preaching, or I am preaching to the choir, those who are well-versed in, in understanding all of these truths. Uh, but Lord, uh, it is still yet very, very important. And we, yet, uh, though growing in our maturity and sanctification, at times are, 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 are confused or, or fall into a mentality that there's still something we could do more to, to gain God's favor and, uh, and to please him more on our own. But Lord, there is nothing we can do. Uh, in ourselves, uh, we stand here. Uh, in our, our our case, we plead is only the righteousness of Christ uh, that has that merits us anything. And so, help us to remember that, and that those truths would be portrayed through our actions and through the motivation to to do the works which you have prepared us to do. That they would be done out of love and by faith. Uh, in a way that pleases you and seeks to serve one another. There and only then can we truly uh, glorify you and please you through the things that we do. So we ask for that strength and for that focus and determination and that steadfastness in the faith. Lord, bless our evenings now, our evenings as we go, the things that we'll do, keep us safe on the roads, we pray. Lord, we thank you for those who might be listening in online. We pray that pray that you would bless their evening in their time with their families and uh, in their homes. We pray all this in your name. Amen.